Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're going to start this series, Ghost Stories. This is Ghost Stories Part 1. The reason we call it Ghost Stories is because of the topic um, that we're about to talk about. I think with this topic, uh, there's all kinds of different preconceived ideas, uh, preconceived notions, vain imaginations, bad experiences, good experiences, a whole collection of thoughts that I want to attack. And uh, I want to ask you to just like, like old school, okay, old school kids toy. My son just got one of these. I didn't know they still made them in Etch-A-Sketch. Remember the Etch-A-Sketch? You know, you like write all over it. If you mess it up, you can do something really awesome. You just shake it up and you can start fresh. This is what I want to do with the theological mapping of your brain. I want you to shake it up and I just want you to have, start with a clean slate. Just start with a clean slate. The best way to approach the Word of God is always with a clean slate. Don't just take my words. Don't take any other preacher's words. You've just got to look at what the Word says with a clean slate, not based on your experiences. My theology is, is not shaped by my experiences. My theology is shaped by the Word of God. And I've, my life has to line up with what this Bible says. And so I want to encourage you to just shake your brain down a little bit uh, because Ghost Stories, Stories Part 1, this series is a series about the Holy Spirit. I, I want to talk about the work, the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does. And we have thousands of people that are represented uh, across our campuses uh, that call Church 1132 their home. And uh, so we have all kinds of different backgrounds and persuasions that are represented. And so I'm going to try to bring some clarity to really where we stand and what we believe as a church. And I believe it's going to help you as well. We're going to go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. This is going to be the backdrop for our thoughts today. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 6. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Can you imagine just if we started asking that question in today's culture? Hey, you got saved. That's great. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? It's like, whoa, 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 like easy. Like we don't say, if you're old school, you don't say Holy Spirit. You say Holy. Yeah, that's right. See, we've got a couple of OG in here. The Holy Ghost. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, you ever wonder why people lay hands on people when they pray? It's because people did it in the Bible. That's, that's why. So just, just help you out. Uh, when, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, now I want to start today, Ghost Stories Part 1. This is a succession series, okay? So every week is really important, and I don't ask this very often, but if you're ever going to hit like three weeks in a row... This would be the series to do that with, is that because everyone will build on the other one, and we're going to unpack and unfold different levels of, of really what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. If you didn't know this, the Holy Spirit is everywhere in the Bible. 
So if you, if you thought the Holy Spirit was a limited or a, an expired commodity, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Over 800 mentions of the Holy Spirit in your Bible. Now, I, I grew up in a church that, uh, I grew up in a Holy Ghost church, okay? Not Holy Spirit, not just God, just Jesus, Holy Ghost, okay? Now, many of you know that, and uh, many of you have been a part of something like that. So here, here's the thing is that with the Holy Ghost Church, um, it's awesome. It really is. It's fun. And it's, it's always surprising because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but, but sometimes you can get in your mind a thought or a persuasion about something that might not totally be biblical, um, but it just kind of fits the expression. And so, you know, if you don't go three hours, I don't know if God moved. You know what I'm saying? Like... Uh, it's like he can only move about two hours and 45 minutes. It starts to get good. That's when you know. And I don't know if you're delirious at that time or God really starts moving. But anyways, we, 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 had, we, we had some incredible times in our church growing up. I mean, the presence of God was there. I mean, really, we saw people set free. We saw people healed. We saw people deliver. I mean, there was a real substantial move of God. But what I found is that wherever there is a move of God, there are some people that like to come and attach themselves to that move of God. And this is what I found to be true about the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this before, probably. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are. For real. Like, really weird. If you were weird before the Holy Spirit... You're going to be really weird after him, okay? The Holy Spirit is not a weirdness cure, okay? The, the Holy Spirit, if you're weird, you're weird. Let, let me just say it this way. If you're not weird before the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be weird with the Holy Spirit. See, some people think that the Holy Spirit is just going to take you over, and you're just going to be like, like in a trance, or you're going to start levitating, or you're going to start like hallucinating, or something wild's going to happen. Now, I, I believe God can do anything, so I'm not putting anything past him, but that's not going to happen to you. The Holy Spirit's also a gentleman, which means God, in whatever form or person that you want to talk about, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. Do you notice in Christianity we like to choose the parts of the Bible and of God that we like? You know, it's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit, that sounds weird. And if you're saying Holy Ghost, that sounds really weird. Can you imagine someone coming into the church, and maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you've never heard anything about the Holy Spirit, and you walk in, someone shook your hand, and they're friendly, and they're nice, and you're like, we've never met before. Why do you like me so much? And, and they say, wow, the Holy Ghost is here today. For us Christians, with our Christianese, we're like, well, yes, he is, bless God. <laughs> but if you've never heard that, that may, may freak you out. If I, I'm, I don't do ghosts, okay? I'm gonna just, I don't do snakes, I don't do ghosts. It's just, it's just don't do it. And, and, and if, I, if I were to hear that, it might freak me out. Because, but once you get accustomed to it, and we all start speaking our Christianese, and we start saying the same thing, then it's like, of course. But I want to help, like, demystify one of the greatest gifts that God gave the church. And God did give it. It was given by God, and God promised it. Jesus promised it, and it came. And that was the Holy Spirit. I remember growing up in, in this church, and, and I really saw, and I feel blessed to have grown up in this church because I saw all kinds of amazing things. At the same time, though, I was challenged in my teenage years with my own insecurities and my own issues and with something that people would say about our church. It's, oh, you go to the weird church. 
And I didn't like that. That didn't sit well with me. I, I, I had enough problems. I had enough issues like just being me. And I didn't need to go to a weird church on top of that. And maybe some of you in your background, you've been a part of that. It's like, man, I, I just don't want to do the weird stuff. And, and I, I would be with you. I just, I'm not a fan of weird. I just, I'm not really, I don't really do that. And, and you know what? We've got like eight, over 80 groups in our church, and some of them honestly are weird. That's okay. Some of them I probably wouldn't go to because I don't do weird. That's why we tell people, just go to a group, and if you like it, great. They're your people. Cool. We won't judge whether you're the weird ones or not, um, but just go to the group that you can find, connect with your people. When you feel a connection, there you go. You got your group, and then you can think everyone else is weird, and we won't tell you the truth about what. Anyways, um, you need to find your people. The Holy Spirit isn't weird people are. And this is the thing is God so loved us, right, that he gave Jesus. So we love that part of the story, and we believe that part of the story. But he also so loved us that Jesus made a promise that he said, I can't be here any longer because you need something else. You need something more than me. More than Jesus? He said, yeah, I have to go so that the Holy Spirit would come. I have to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. This, this Holy Spirit is all over your Bible, and this Holy Spirit, Jesus left here so that the Holy Spirit could come here. Now, in Acts chapter 19, it says, as Paul was preaching, that they heard about the Holy Spirit from Paul, and they said, we had never heard before that there was a Holy Spirit. And I've found about three different groups of people. There are people that truly have never heard about the Holy Spirit. We've got many in our church that maybe you have never heard about the Holy Spirit. So you have people who have never heard, and then you have people that, 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 that have heard, but they've had a bad experience. This is a lot of people. They have had a bad experience in church. They've had a bad experience with church leadership. They've had a bad experience with the Holy Spirit. They've had a bad experience in some of that expression. And then you have people that like, don't want to know that there is a Holy Spirit. I love these people. They, 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 they play leapfrog with their Bible. They read, 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 leap. Leap, read, 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 leap. It's like, did you read spirit? I didn't read spirit. Nope, there's no spirit there. Like, it's everywhere. You, you can't come to your Bible with a blank canvas and read it without seeing everywhere the work of the Spirit of God. I have found that many people have doctrinal beliefs or cultural beliefs, but not biblical beliefs. That we have to be careful in our cultural understanding that we deviate from the biblical truth. That we have to be careful in our own experiential understanding that we don't deviate from what the Bible says. A partial gospel is a powerless gospel. It's just the truth. A partial gospel is the powerless gospel. We've got to have all that God has for us to have. This life is tough enough without us trying to eliminate one of the helps that God gave us. It is hard enough to do right, be right, to, to serve God, to, do, to not compromise, to do what he wants us to do. It's hard enough to do it without rejecting some of the help that he gave along the way. Now, let, let me just ask you this question. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if I would have asked you earlier, we might have got a different response. But I'll just still ask it to you, okay? If we were to ask at the beginning of the service, before you heard ghost stories, before you saw the boat, before any of this... And we were to ask you, do you want all that God has for you? I think that, I, think I heard it somewhere, praise the Lord, it's a child preaching back there. It's yes. Our answer, probably 90% of us in the room, 90% of us watching, we would say yes. 
We want all there is of God. If God has it, we want it. Now then, if I would follow up that question by saying what God has for you is someone that he's given to you to help equip you and to empower you, and that culturally is known as the Holy Spirit, would that change your mind? You don't have to answer it, but for many of us it would because it's unknown or it's been misdiagnosed, or it's been misperceived. And so I want to take some thoughts, and this morning we're going to scratch the surface of where we're going to go the next couple weeks, but I want to give you a couple thoughts based on this text in, in Acts chapter 19 of not knowing that there is a Holy Spirit, about who He is, and what that work is in our lives, and I believe it's going to challenge some of the ways you think, but I think it's going to bring some clarity to some of the ways that you live. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a, he's a God, and he's a person. It's not just this thing out there. It's, he's, he's a person, which means a relationship can be cultivated as with a person. It, it, it is not God, God's son, and junior God. All right? Like some of us think that. It's like, man, whew, wow, okay. We need, we need the big guy. Like God the Father, like we need you. And bring Jesus but leave, leave, leave God Jr. Like, that one's scary. They call him the Holy Ghost. I don't, I don't do that. And we, we don't get to pick. What, did you know that everything that God's doing on the earth right now is done through his spirit? Everything that God's doing on the earth right now is done through his spirit. Every time you hear the voice of God, you hear his spirit. Well, no, Jesus speaks to me. Okay, I don't mean to like... Hopefully this isn't being shown in children's church anywhere. But Jesus isn't in your heart. He's not. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He, he, I asked him to come in. Like, Pastor, what are you saying? Like, yeah, the, the, the Bible says this, and this is what we have to do culturally to like get around some of these things. Is, is the Bible says that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into you as a deposit as a, like a deposit, like a, like, like a, there it is, inserted. There, you have the Holy Spirit in you, guaranteeing what is to come. Well, I don't want that Holy Ghost in me. I want Jesus. Jesus isn't in you. Jesus is up with God. The Bible says he's interceding for you. He's praying for you, which is a great person to have praying for you. Okay, that's a good guy to have praying for you. Let him pray. Let the Holy Spirit in. Now, this is, this is the wild thing. It's God told us that the Holy Spirit was coming. I don't know if you know this or not, but God warned us. That this Holy Ghost was coming. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and 29. It's a familiar passage that we quote a lot. It says, and afterward I will pour out my, that's, that's the Holy Spirit, just FYI. On my spirit, on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God says the Holy Spirit is coming. That's what he's announcing. That in those days. Now, when Jesus died and he rose again, that began the last days. You see in Paul's writings, he talks about the last days. Jesus talks about the last days. We are in the last days. I heard someone say, well, we must be in the last of the last days because it's been a little while. I'm just going to tell you, God lives outside of time and space. He is not regulated to our 24-hour day, to our seven-day week, to our 365-day year. He lives outside outside of that. So he's not on the same timeline we are. We are in the last days. The Bible says a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. 
So you could start like having fun with that math and trying to figure out like what last day we're in. Or you could just understand that when Jesus died and he rose again, that ushered us into the last days. Or when, the, when Pentecost happened, which is a crazy Christianese word, right? Pentecost, we're like, oh, wow, are we Pentecostal? Do you know what Pentecost actually means? 50. 50. Oh, well, that's mysterious. No, it just, just means 50. It was on that anniversary that the Holy Spirit came, but there's nothing like spooky about Pentecost. Pentecost actually means 50. It was the 50th anniversary. So Joel prophesies that the Spirit would come. Now, this is interesting. You say, well, I'm not going to take it from that prophet Joel. I want to know from Jesus. Okay, Jesus talks about it too. John chapter 14, Jesus says this. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in, who sends him? So God and Jesus are in this together? I mean, like, oh, I thought I had it out. No, the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Joel prophesied it, Jesus promised it, and God delivered it. That, I mean, it, it, Old Testament, New Testament, current day. You know, you know, I thought about this this week as I was preparing. You know that people used to kick against God in the Old Testament all the time, the Israelites murmuring and complaining. It's like he's God. Get over it. And they're like, are you God? Did you forget us, God? It's like, I just got you out of slavery. I'm God. Okay. Two days later, are you God? It's like, okay. He's God. Then you fast forward to the New Testament, right? Once they've established he's God, then he sends Jesus. Curveball. And they're like, who's this Jesus guy? He's the, he's the son of a carpenter? It's like, yeah, that's what the prophecy said he'd be. He's born in Bethlehem, but he lives in Nazareth. How's that going to happen? The Messiah is supposed to come from both. Right, he lived in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. It, it works. Oh, no, he's not the Messiah. So in Old Testament, we questioned if God was God. New Testament, we questioned if Jesus was the Messiah. And now in current day, we question if the Holy Spirit is real. Joel prophesied it. God promised it. Jesus promised it. God delivered it. I love this. In, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, it says this. Is this is, now, Acts chapter 2, we'll dive into a little bit more in the coming weeks. But Acts chapter 2 is where the baptism of the Holy Spirit came for the first time. That is Pentecost on the 50th. That 50 means 50. The Holy Spirit came. Okay, the Holy Spirit came in the upper room. Jesus said, I want you to go and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. So the, the disciples went and they waited. And then the Holy Spirit came, just like Jesus said. And then the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spilled out of the upper room, which our, our theme for this year is outside the walls, which I think is really interesting. Most people want to get up in the upper room, have the Holy Spirit come in, and then never leave. That's not why the Holy Spirit came. Once the Holy Spirit showed up, they went out. And they spilled over into the streets, and they were speaking in languages that people didn't understand. There was all kinds of things happened. They were filled with something. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 15, people thought they were drunk. And Peter is talking. He says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning, as if that's impossible. But anyways, no, Peter was new. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He says, oh, yeah, what you're seeing, this is that. This is that. Remember the prophecies? And they knew the prophecies. This is that. In John chapter 3, it's an interesting conversation because Nicodemus, who's one of the religious rulers, comes to Jesus. The Bible says he was ashamed to come during the day, so he came during the night. And he began to ask Jesus about how he could be saved. Jesus has a conversation with him and says, you have to be born again. Nicodemus is confused. 
as most of us would be if we didn't know Christianese, like, how am I going to be born again? Like, go back into my mother's womb again. See, all of you are like, right, born again, bless God. See, if you don't know this stuff, this is really weird. Like, oh, hi, John, welcome to Church 1132. You've got to be born again. Really? Like, oh, you don't know Christianese, right? Like, it's, 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 it's our churchy language, but this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, whoa, how's that supposed to happen? My mom, me, like, I've grown, and he's confused. And Jesus says, no, you, you got to be saved. It is a spiritual birth. And he says that that spiritual birth happens by the Spirit. I want you to see this. John chapter 3, verse 8, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is everyone born, so it is, is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus begins to correlate the, the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, as wind. Now, if you look up the Hebrew word for spirit, when it says Holy Spirit, it's ruach, and that word actually means wind or breath. Or a violent exhalation. It is, it, is, it is a forceful blowing of air. In the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma, which means a breath of fresh air or wind or a violent wind. So when Jesus says the Holy Spirit is like a wind, there's a couple different things. There's a couple different things that the wind is. The wind is invisible, right? You can't see the wind. Right now it's blowing, and it's really cold, and it was like 65 degrees, seemed like about 12 hours ago, and it feels like 12 right now, and someone said it might snow. I, I don't even know what, what that's about, but it's because the wind is blowing, so we can't see the wind, but we can feel its effect. The, the, the wind is moving, and we can see the effect on the trees, we can see the effect in the weather, but it's invisible. The Spirit of God is Invisible. The wind is unpredictable. Like we just said, the switch in the weather, it happens so quick, it's unpredictable. Did you know the Holy Spirit is unpredictable? Oh, that's, that's mysterious. No, I'll tell you why the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. It's because God's ways are higher than our ways. Did you know that if he wasn't unpredictable, then we would do a lot of wild, weird things? Like, like Jesus healed this one guy by making mud with spit and dirt, and putting it in the guy's eyes, and the blind man saw. Now, with all of us Christianese, churchy people, what we would say is like, oh, that's how you heal blind people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you need blind guys in here? I mean, you would not, you would like pretend like you could see, because you wouldn't want someone throwing mud in your eye. But because Jesus never did a miracle twice, the same way, Right? It's very rare throughout the entirety of the Gospels that you see Jesus do a healing the same way. He says, you go wash, you pick up your mat, you, here's some mud, hate to be that guy. But he did it all kinds of different ways. As if there is no method. There's no methodology. There is faith. That's the common denominator. It's faith. It's not a way that we do things. Well, your church does things wrong and my church does things right. It is not that. It's faith. It is faith in Jesus. It's faith in him. And this is what Jesus was trying to show people on the earth is that there's no rhyme or reason. Because if there was a rhyme or reason, we would have first church of the mudslingers and we'd be trying to heal all the blind people. But he says it's not about that. It's about relationship. It's about faith. 
It's about walking with me and listening to me. It is about obedience. The wind is unpredictable. The wind is powerful. We've seen the effects even on our state about the violent winds and what wind can do. Wind is powerful. Wind is refreshing. You ever just got like a fresh breath of air? Just, it's just refreshing. It is, it's refreshing. That's what the wind, that's what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be to your spiritual life. Not freaky, not scary, not mysterious. It's supposed to be a breath of fresh. Have you ever felt out of breath spiritually? You ever felt like you wanted to make a change but didn't have the power to make that change? You ever felt like you've just kind of been like working in your own strength to be good and to do good? You ever felt like you're just straining in your spiritual life? Yeah, God knew you would. And because he loved you so much, he said, oh, this is what I'm going to do for him. Jesus, after you die and redeem him, I'm going to have you come back. And I know you're going to try to like jump in somebody's heart, but just come on back. And, and then I want you to pray for everybody. And when you come up, I'm going to send my breath. I'm going to send my wind. I'm going to send a fresh breath of air to those people in that crazy world because they're going to need it. It's crazy out there. The Bible says the world is in the power of the evil one. They're going to need a fresh breath of air. They're going to need some direction. They're going to need some leading. They're going to need some encouragement. So I'm not going to leave them all by themselves. It's wild that the church has kicked against the very thing that God sent to help us, to build us, and to reach the lost. We don't understand it. There's a lot of things I don't understand. You know, I really love my wife. I don't understand her all the time but I really love her. Listen, your love doesn't have to be based on complete understanding. I, I, I mean, I love her a lot. Like, I'll do anything for her. We've been married almost 11 years, and, and I love her more now than I ever loved her, but I still don't understand everything about her. But I, well, I don't understand. I don't understand the Holy Spirit. So I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm not going anywhere near. Listen, you're not going to understand everything there is to know God, and if you do understand everything there is to know about God, he's not that big. I want to just give you a couple of things as we close that, I, that the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit does because as I was praying through this and, and thinking about this, I began to think about a sailboat. Did you know that the wind at one time was seen as an enemy? Whenever wind happened, whenever wind sprung up, it was always a negative until people learned how to harness wind with a sail and what was once a liability became an asset. Now people could actually move, cross seas, go from continent to continent because of what was harnessed in the wind. Now, the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit. The picture of being filled with the Spirit is not like, fill me up, God. Fill me all the way up. I'm full. Thank you for the Spirit. Now, I don't need anything else. The picture of the Spirit is a sail that's lifted and the wind. For the boat to move, the wind has to be continually filled. Not a one-time experience, not a one-time moment, but the consistent work of the Holy Spirit moving and propelling you. Honestly, guys, it's not that creepy. If you think about it, God said, yep, they're stuck down there for a while. Let's give them some help. They're down there. And some of you are like this. And you're, you're in your boat, and you're just like trying to make it like, just get to church, get to church, cussing the kids out on the way, stealing somebody's parking spot. You don't care. You just, and then you come in, it's like, Oh, the Holy Ghost is here. L listen, 
Oh, so it happens, you know, I know it's always happened on Sunday, doesn't it? It's just like, the, it just, everything happens on Sunday. Some of you are straining at the oars of your spiritual life, and God's saying, do you want to use the sail? You, you can if you want. I brought them a long time ago. I brought the wind. If you put up your sail, I'll direct your life. If you lift the sail... I'll move you forward. If you lift the sail, I'll give you the power. Because this is what the wind does. The wind does a couple things. Number one, the wind directs you. The wind directs you. Or I should say it this way. The Holy Spirit is in your corner and in your life to direct you. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Who is that voice? Well, no, it's God. It's His Spirit. It's, it's his spirit. The wind directs us. The Holy Spirit is the wind in our sails and will direct us as we listen to him. He leads us to Jesus and he leads us in his will. He is the voice of direction that we hear. Number two, the wind protects you. The wind protects you. Paul, in his missionary journeys, we see it in Acts chapter 20, he says, the Holy Spirit warns me. The Holy Spirit. I find this specifically with moms. Like, that are like super, like have super intuition, right? Like my mom had this. Like, hmm, where are you going tonight? I'm like, mom, does it matter? Like, I just don't feel good about it. Why don't you feel good about it? Like, take an aspirin, lay down. She's like, no, I don't feel good about it. Like, how do you know I'm lying? Right? Moms. It could be intuition. Or it could be the leading of the Spirit of God. For your direction. And for your protection. Do you know what I would venture to say? That you actually listen to the Holy Spirit even more than you acknowledge that he's there. Because if you're hearing God's voice, he is speaking through his spirit. He's speaking. He's speaking right now. Well, that's, that's really weird. No, it's weird to have a God that you have a relationship with that says, I'm not going to talk to you. That's weird. I go to his house every Sunday. I sing his songs every Sunday. But he doesn't talk. We're so close. We're tight, me and God, to the end. You never sense him. You never see him. You never feel him, and he can't talk to you. What's weird? Like, that, you're weird. If that's you, okay? Now, you're weird. Why, if that's you. Online. You, whoever else. Not us. Next service. You're weird. Because that, to have a God. Yeah, I got a wife. Yeah, you've never seen her. Oh, it's cool. Like, we're married. I wear a ring. Like, she's there. Yeah, we've never met her. No, no, really. Like, she's there. She's awesome. She's gorgeous, man. Like, I'm way out of my league. Woo! We've never seen her. It's like, that's weird that you want to see her. It's like, you've got an issue. Why do you want to see my wife anyways? Like, come on. Like, this is what we do with God. This is what we do with church. Like, what is this supposed to be? Like a memorial service? of the God who used to be? Or is it a celebration of the God who is? The Holy Spirit is our God on the earth right now. He is alive and he is active and he is working and moving anyone that has the ability or the capacity to lift up their sails and allow the wind or the breath of God to move them into the direction that he's moving. The wind protects you. The wind, lastly, it propels you. The wind propels you. The wind is power. The wind is powerful. I think that many people in our spiritual lives, it's, it's, we're just stuck in this way of living. 
Just straining at the oars of spirituality, at the legalism of spirituality, at the religiosity of spirituality. I've got to go to church. I've got to serve on the front line. I've got to do the parking team. It's 13 degrees. I got. You need some wind in your sails. You need some. You know, there's sometimes I come home and, and I'm a little bit like um, not in the best mood. It's not all the time, just very rare, but one time every 10 years. And, um, and I'll come home, and, and, and Jamie will be like all sweet, and she'll be like, you're tired, aren't you? And I'll know that's what, what she means is like, you need some wind in your sails. <laughs> like, whoa, bro, chill. She says it nicely, and, and she's like, you, you, must, you must have had a really rough day. You, you must be tired. You know what? I feel like spiritually, many of us, we're tired. Tired. Just worn out. Just doing the motions, going through the motions, doing the God thing, doing the spiritual thing. You know why you don't have life? It's because you cannot have life without breath. So God said, I'm going to give you breath. Ezekiel 37, Valley of Dry Bones, says, can these bones live? God's talking to Ezekiel. He says, can these bones live? He says, you only know God, which is a really good answer. He says, only you know God. And God says, yes, I do. And they can. And so he breathed the breath of life. They were there. They were resolute. They were standing at attention, but they were dead. So he breathed life. You know, many of us spiritually, we've been, I've been in church since I was 12, pastor. Don't tell me about the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but are you alive? Is he directing you, protecting you, and propelling you? Is he moving you? Let let, let me, let me just help you with one thing before we dismiss. Who is this wind for? Who's this wind for? I mean, yeah, it's good for the Pentecostal churches. It's big for the, good for the charismatic churches. It's good for certain denominations. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14 says, He redeemed us, he being Jesus, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God's promise. Okay, that's not what it says. It's God's promise. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. This promise, or the promise, this is where it just kind of gets interesting. Okay? Especially if you're trying to get out of this. Like, well, you're right, Pastor. You know, that was, the, that was a time where the Holy Spirit moved and the Holy Spirit's no longer active. He's no, the gifts are no longer available. And so this verse says, the promise is for you. Well, it's probably talking to the people in the Bible at that time. Okay, for you and your children. Well, that was a couple generations ago. I think I'm still safe. And all who are far off, all who are far off. Yeah, well... I'm way far off. And so it's then it's like Luke throws in this like curveball because he knew we would say this. And he says, for all whom the Lord our God would call. Mike, drop. That's what he, that's what he did. He said, not me either. All, all who the Lord our God will call. Has he called you? Are you in relationship with Jesus? Then he wants you to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's always been so weird, Pastor. It's always been so spooky. Then don't let it be spooky anymore. And just say, God, if it's you, I want it.
And this is the prayer. I'm going to give you three prayers over the next three weeks. Three prayers, three stages. This is why you need to try to come three straight weeks if you can. I'm going to give you three prayers. The first prayer for this week is, Holy Spirit, will you reveal yourself to me? Isn't that amazing? It's, it's not like, take me over, make me speak in tongues, make me prophesy, make me bold to be a witness. Just, Holy Spirit, will you reveal yourself to me? And I want us at all campuses, watch, if you're a part of our online campus or wherever, in all our services, all our locations, I want us to make it, uh, make it that prayer every day of the week that we just ask God, Holy Spirit, will you reveal yourself to me? The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. I think that sometimes our intellect gets in the way because it's hard to understand and it's hard to see. We don't question wind, although we can see it, but we can see the effect, and it's hard to gauge the effect of the Holy Spirit at times, so it's hard to know that it's there or that he really moves. And Chris Hodges writes a book called Fresh Air about the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says this, and I want to leave us with this today. He says, an intellectual gospel is always in danger of creating a God who looks like us, one who is our size. People who need answers before they experience God will reduce God down to the size of their own capacity. If we've got to understand God before we experience Him, then God can be no bigger than our brains. I've got news for you and for me. God's bigger than we could ever imagine. He's bigger than we could ever imagine. Our experiences can't contain Him. Our thought processes can't contain Him. Our intellect can't contain Him. Well, I, I, I want to really know, Pastor. That's fine. Just study the Word. Don't take my word for it. Just study the Word with a shaken-free brain that is just clear, a blank canvas, and then pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, will you reveal yourself to me? I don't know what you're dealing with, but I just felt three things as I was praying this week. The first thing that I felt was that some of us have always seen the Holy Spirit, or anything that we could not understand as an enemy. It's just like, whoa, no, 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 no. I want to be safe. I want to be in my comfort zone. And I think maybe, this is my prayer, is that what you once have seen as the enemy, you would lift your sails and let it actually move you. Because the thing that has been a liability to you in your mind could be an asset to you in your purpose. If you would lift your sails and allow God to move. I feel like some of us have been just drifting aimlessly. Like we're saved. We're in the boat, right? Like we're a part of the body of Christ. We're saved, but there's no purpose. We're just drifting aimlessly. Maybe you feel that today. Do you know what you need to not drift aimlessly? Well, I need vision, Pastor. Everybody's talking about vision. Do you know how you receive vision from God? You lift those sails and you allow him to begin to direct you. Do you know how Jamie and I moved from Washington to Texas? It was by the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how. That's how. I would have never left my dad. I would have never left my family. I would have never left the church that we were in. I would have never left unless there was some type of moving, a propelling, a directing, a pull that directed me to move. Some of us, this is the last thing, some of us, we're just out of breath spiritually in our life. You know when worshiping God doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you anymore? It means you're out of breath. 
That's how you can tell when you burn out. You know, things that used to give you life don't give you life anymore. You burn out. When you're out of breath, the, the things or religious things or spiritual things that you used to do that were so personal and so full of life in the past are not full of life anymore. That means you're out of breath. What you need is you need to lift those sails and you need a fresh breath of air. You need a fresh breath of air. You, 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 need to, you need to hop in this boat of your spirituality. You need to throw your oars overboard. Your oars would be your good intentions, your good behavior, all the things that you can do in your own strength. And you need to put up your sails and let God begin to propel you. I don't know what background you came from. I don't know what you're dealing with, what you're struggling. You could have like just hated this last 30 minutes. I don't know where you're at, but I would ask everybody, whether you enjoyed it, whether you didn't, whether you agree with you or not, I would ask you to pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, will you reveal yourself to me? I'm going to have everybody stand up at all our campuses. At Wiley, your campus pastor is going to be coming to the stage at this time. And I want to just say that God loves us so much that he gave us an opportunity to step out of sin. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to save us. But it didn't stop there. He loved us so much, he said, I'm going to give you power to walk through this life. I'm going to empower you to walk this Christian journey out. I'm going to empower you to be everything that God's called you to be, to do the things that he's asked you to do. I'm going to empower you, and it's going to come through my breath of fresh air. Call it Holy Ghost. Call it Holy Spirit. Call it whatever you want. God wants to fill the sails of your life with his wind so that he can move you and direct you. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.